Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, we are back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Okay, so... Um, all right. Your turn, man. Come on. All right, so... You know you're always saying you, know, you shouldn't have to ship things around, things shouldn't have to change? Well, I actually have to say that I've had a shift in some of my thinking. And that is about 529 plans. Go for it. Okay. Oh, yeah. he's going to get into some controversial so, territory here. Well, All right. okay, so I've never... <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I've always been a little skeptical of the 529 plan because, you know, I never did them for my kids. Uh -huh. um, you know, my daughter went to school for two years in Florida and uh, the state paid for her education for two years. Uh -huh. Once she left, then the state said, no, we're not paying for your school in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, my son here in Tennessee went to college for a year, actually attended um, classes for a semester. Um, that didn't work in my book. So if I would have put money into the 529 plan, that money would have been a waste. If I took it out, I would have had to pay the tax on the money that came out. Now, now on the gain, to be fair. Well, yeah, on the to gain. Be on, the fain, right. to, to, on the gain in the accounts. And then a penalty if it wasn't used for education purposes. Right. But now we got the Roth IRA thing. So you know. Well, and that's kind of why I've shifted my thinking about that. Um, there, are, I believe that if parents work with their kids, they're involved in their education, mm -hmm. making sure they get their homework done, meeting with their teachers, encouraging them. There's no reason why most kids cannot get a scholarship of some sort from some university. So if you teach them early enough, you know, I and I when I have this conversation with, with clients, I tell them, you know, when they get into ninth grade, that's when you, you know, sit down and say, you know, look, those first eight years, that was practice. Now it counts, and you only have three years because the first semester of your senior year of high school, that is where you're going to start applying for colleges. So the colleges are going to make their decisions basically on your three years of high school, how you do on your college entrance tests, mm -hmm. and what other extracurricular activities you participated in, whether it was student politics, newspapers, sports, that's what we're going to make the decisions on. Well, if they get scholarships, then they might they won't need the money in the five twenty nine. If they decide they're not going to college, you know, we all think our kids are going to go to college. But you have an exemption from the penalty if they get scholarships. If I'm correct, right, Evan, I'd have to look at that. I think that yeah. that there is it is one of the exceptions. I'll, we'll take a look at it, but yeah. I think that that is an exception to that. Yeah. You can get it out without that penalty. If they decide, like Evan's boys did, go to, into the military, the military mm -hmm. will pay for their college. Uh, if they decide not to go to college, you know, there's just too many factors. And what I've pretty, you know, pretty much encouraged, and I always say, look, my job as a coach is to help you understand 
the different options that you have, and then you pick the option that's best for you and your family. Okay, so let me just throw that out there really quick because we have the beauty of the internet. It, it says, uh, you'll be happy to learn that there's a scholarship. This is from, uh, this Fidelity put this out, uh, to learn that there's scholarship exception to the 10% penalty. You can take a non-qualified withdrawal from 529 up to the amount of the scholarship and you'll pay taxes on the earnings. You won't pay the additional 10% penalty that's imposed on a non-qualified withdrawal. So does that change your opinion on that? Any? I'm curious. Um, well, what changes my opinion now is the new rule that you can roll that money over into the Roth IRA. I think that's a good thing, isn't it? I think that's a great thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, so it's, you're going the other He's direction. He's now four five twenty nine, oh, or at least so more. How did, how did I miss that? I, I guess yeah. I, I, get, I I totally missed that. I'm sorry. I, I was uh, yeah because I was my, out to lunch here. My you know and. <laughs> My, you know, my my thoughts on that have always been: Look, you're putting the money away. You're sacrificing what could be in your car payment, right, vacation, right, right, right. You know, if you then have to take that money out and pay a penalty on okay. it, where if you just put it into an account, into yours and your wife's name, or husband's name, or your name, and just say this account is for my child's college education, mm-hmm. you'll have to pay capital gain taxes, but depending upon your income, that could be very, very small. Mm-hmm. But if they end up not needing that money to go to college, that's just more money towards your retirement account. Now, granted, yeah. this money in the 529 would go into the child's Roth IRA, but you're setting that child up with the foundation of either getting an ed- a free, an education with tax-free money mm-hmm. or retirement foundation with tax-free money so now um, the Roth can be your own no no it's gotta be, be no the it's the, right the benefit has to be right. the beneficiary of it but you can change beneficiaries yes but okay so for okay. example if you had your so this is getting interesting so if you had your eldest son down as a beneficiary on one and the younger son is the beneficiary on the second but the older son didn't go on to college so you made the younger son the beneficiary of both of them and then he decided or let's say there was excess money left over so let's say it grew to a hundred thousand dollars now that hundred thousand dollars is technically the money for the younger son Mm-hmm. The oldest son doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. So yes, that's one of the downfalls or right. pitfalls of the whole thing is that the the Roth IRA has to be opened up in the name of the beneficiary of that 529. Oh yeah, for so, 15 years under that beneficiary's name. Right. So that's how they get around that. Right. Okay. So you have to All kind right. of be very careful in how you're planning the the 529s, who the beneficiaries yeah, are. Yeah, that's good. And and whether or not you want to go ahead and change the beneficiary. Yeah, and that's one of the big issues that I find a lot of people have. Evan's like chomping at the bit. Go, Evan. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, the, my, the thing that I find is that the loss of control, you know, yeah. the con- concern about loss of control. Now, the 529, that the benefit has always been that you can change beneficiaries. You can take it back and spend it on yourself, yeah. your own education. Uh, you know, you can't do the Roth thing as, as we were talking about, but you can go and spend it on your own education mm-hmm. if you're crazy like me and you decide to go get a master's <laughs> degree when you're in your late 50s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, some of those things to me are, are icing on the cake. 
And, you know, you can only put in $35,000 into the Roth anyway. You, you know, if you had a balance of a hundred grand left, you can't put all of that into a Roth IRA mm -hmm. period. But, mm -hmm. but, uh, I bet for the last decade anyway, I've mostly been talking with parents about something we just call a launch fund. And we talk, we talk about, okay, do you want to structure that as a custodial account, you know, in a uniform transfer to minors, and it's in the child's name, mm -hmm. pros, it's taxed at the child's bracket, cons, if mm -hmm. they marry a hell's angel, it's their money. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's there's no perfect solution to some, you know, a lot yeah. of these things. Or it could be, as Ira said, you just have a, a segregated bucket in your own name that's dedicated for the child. Yeah. And, you know, or you could have some in a 529. And it's a little bit like tax diversification that we talk about with clients for retirement. Mm -hmm. I like to have, you know, give a client a, a bucket of those so that, okay, maybe they do decide to go into business and they mm -hmm. don't go into college, mm -hmm. um, but you can use that to buy their welding equipment or buy their, you know, whatever. Right. right. And so you're, you know, I, I want to make sure people don't misunderstand Ira's thing of, we're not saying don't save for college. <laughs> We're saying use right. the use the appropriate vehicle so that you've got some flexibility for the money that you put back for that, and you're not as hamstrung by the government if they change the rules. Yeah, and and when you said launch fund, I like that. That just hit me because it was kind of what my father did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it, my very first year of school, he was like, "I'm taking care of you. I got it." Well, what I didn't necessarily get <laughs> is I was that was on the a tank of gas and I, a pizza. I, I, I was, yeah, I didn't even get that. I mean, you talk about extra money, forget it. You know, that was not my parents. You know, we pay it for, for the meal plan at your school. There you go. And we pay your tuition and where you're going to be actually living. It's all up to you. So what, what I ended up doing is I ended up working for a company that had tuition reimbursement. There and, you, you know, that really worked out quite nicely. And then I was able to work 40, 50 hours a week while going to school, getting the tuition taken care of. And, and that was nice. But he had kind of a launch fund. That yeah. was, And it was great because it got me into school. It got me into the swing of things that I can do this. And and uh, and then I, I started, but then I had to switch gears after my first year because I, I couldn't afford to be out where I was, yeah. you know, and not work. You know, I was out this hole in the wall school all in the middle of nowhere yeah. <laughs> and their, their job, jobs were few and far between out there yep but uh for sure but you know the interesting thing about the 529 plan when you look at why it was created it was actually created more for the middle class to be able to accumulate money tax-free to help pay for college and it became something that is used by more wealthy people mm -hmm. as a way of trying to reduce some of their estate. Right. Um, grandparents, right. you know, will just upload several years. Because it's a completed five, gift. Five years worth. Five yeah. years Because we call that a completed front. gift. Yeah. Right. Even though it's not a completed gift in that you can't pull the money, that you could pull the money back if you really wanted right. to. It's considered a completed gift, a completed one. For terms of estate taxes, sure, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, you know, just the, and and just a real quick note. I always like to make this note: we are not necessarily fans of the state that we live in. Five twenty nine. I, I hate to say it, but we're no. just not because the level of diversification and five twenty nine differ in in which state that you happen to be in. 
some states will have a lot better diversification options. So just, call us. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> listening to the investor coaching show, and not not because we get paid by those states. We no, we don't. don't. No, we don't. don't. Get, we get paid nothing. Be back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about insurance. One of those exciting topics mm-hmm. that people have, um, you know, but we're at we're at the start of the year, although oftentimes, you know, your insurance typically renews just kind of based on whenever you finally started with that particular policy. Um, but this article kind of jumped out at me. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Buying home and auto insurance is becoming impossible. It is. I can attest it is incredibly challenging Yeah, because we actually got canceled. Did you? Yes. We you, actually You had, could have written this article. Go. I could have written that edu- article. Educate us. You know, so <laughs> there was, I won't name the insurance company, although I'm really, really tempted, but there was a situation you may remember a few years ago. Well, mm-hmm. we had some ice damming. Remember that? Yeah. And then there was a tree- Yes. That fell, bam, takes out. Really more just had to be removed. The tree had to be removed. Mm-hmm. And then gutters were taken out as a result of it. And there were a couple, you know, cosmetic things because, you know, you get a tree hits the side of your house and it's- <laughs> It'll do some damage. Yeah, it'll, it could, but it wasn't like huge. Right. And then there were other, a couple other things that were, let's say that the situation was that the, um, a couple other- Things that were, we weren't sure whether they might be claims. Mm-hmm. And what we did is we called and says, Hey, maybe just can you guys send an adjuster out there and take a look at this and see yep. what, you know, because there may be an issue here. There was an issue, mm-hmm. but we were like, No, I'm, you know, I've been in the insurance business. Mm-hmm. I sold insurance. I got my property and casualty license early on. And I said, You know, I'm just not going to file a claim on this. I just, you know, we both, my wife and I looked at each other and go, It's not worth it because, it, you know, because, you think when you buy insurance, the idea is to have insurance against something going wrong. And then the reality is once something goes wrong, they don't want you anymore. I, you know, I used to joke about that yeah. early yeah. on in the business. So we decided not to file a claim. Right. Too late. We didn't file a claim. The one we did file a claim on, there was a minimal amount of payment for it for a tree coming, smashing and taking out gutters and things like that. Your, your claims were higher than what our threshold was that we wanted. We're canceling it. Yeah. And I was like, what? Once the insurance company knows about it, 
to them, that's a claim. So, like, well, you can call your agent. Well, that's interesting you say that because I don't remember it being that way. Maybe it is that way now, and maybe I just didn't be. We were told that it was not. Yeah, it's, I haven't been in that business for 25, 30 years. Yeah. You know, so maybe my memory might be cloudy as to whether that's a claim if I call, but I don't actually file it. Yeah. Maybe it is. It's one of those unofficial official kind of things probably. But like if you call your agent and say, hey, this is what went on, you know, what do you think? That's between you and your agent and nothing has happened. But like if you, whatever, like it was a Saturday and your agent's off and you call the home office, hey, this happened, that's... I'm thinking about making I, I a claim. I think you might be they, right. It might be that. Maybe it. that's why, even though we did what we thought was the right thing. Oh, and yeah. not file a claim yeah. because it was... Because, you know, the thing that I always talk about regarding insurance is that when you have, let's say, deductibles, and you have very, very low deductible. I think about health insurance when I sold health insurance a uh-huh. million years ago. And the idea is if you have a really low deductible, if every time you have some health condition go on, the paperwork has to change hands. Yeah. And there's work that has to go into that. And that increases your costs from an insurance company standpoint, and thereby they're going to have to charge a higher premium. Why not have just a higher deductible plan Right. so you're not dealing with every little picayune claim that comes in? They're not having to file paperwork on, on all of it or pay money out, and thereby you can save some money. And uh, you know, so- that's where my thinking was, and apparently it was uh, it was flawed. <laughs> well, this is happening on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. What you described, uh, not so much you know accidental claims, so to speak, but huge losses from national disasters mm-hmm. prompt the industry to jack up prices and pull back from some markets, which is creating a worst possible scenario mm. for consumers. Uh, after Allstate, in this case, suffered billions of dollars in losses and failed to get the rate increases it wanted, it resorted to the nuclear option. The insurance giant threatened last fall to stop renewing auto insurance for customers in three states that hadn't given in to its demands, which would have left those policyholders scrambling for coverage. So the as states I- blinked. The states blinked. The states well, it's, blinked. It's, it's, oh, yeah, that's okay. So it sounds <laughs> like you're going where I was going to go. So you just keep going. Okay. Yeah. So uh, in New- in December, New Jersey approved a rate increase of 17%. New York, a 15% hike. That, that was where I was going. Regulators in California are allowing them to boost rates by 30%. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of these people, you know, they weren't necessarily uh, going to pull out of the state, but as things were renewing, they just weren't going to renew Mm-hmm. policies if mm-hmm. they didn't get the rate increase or in some cases as we get through the article they're going to discontinue home renewing home insurance mm-hmm. either because of wildfires because of floods they've just had an increase in claims activity and when that happens they're going to raise rates but all of that's state regulated that's that's where i was going to go because yeah. I, I thought that you know a lot of people would have that question as you were reading that i thought oh people are going to have a question around what you just said because they didn't get the increases that they were hoping for and you in your mind you go from who yeah <laughs> and you know the, the people don't realize that the insurance companies have to go to the state to get an approval to get those rates increased uh, and it's supposedly there to protect the consumer and uh, in this particular case what happened is they basically said we got these loss ratios 
And what we're going to do is we got to raise rates, but you know, and they don't have that ability without the state's approval. Then right, that's it. Okay, yeah. we're just not going to renew this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know now insurance companies are starting to pull out of certain counties, certain regions, uh, and states. Uh, you know, in Florida, it happens to be Florida Citizens Property Insurance. That's kind of like their insurer of last resort. Mm-hmm. If you know you can't get it through a state farm, all state, mm-hmm. progressive, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, most states have those. Well, I could actually talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a, a vacation home down in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I got the letter from the insurance company that they were dropping 65,000 homes. Oh, wow. And moving out. Um, so the agent basically got us into citizens. Uh, the premium was probably about 50% less than what I was paying. Wow. Or couldn't find me another policy that was 30% more than what I was paying. So naturally, we took the one from Citizens, the state insurance po- company policy. Um, state company? Yeah, it's somehow. It's, it's so what's ind- the difference in the benefits? I mean, is it? You know, because you'll have difference in benefit designs as in replacement cost coverage probably, versus non-replacement cost coverage. The benefits are probably not nearly as good Yeah, there's, there's got to be some kind of an issue with the benefit yeah, and, coverage. Yeah, but I just got a letter from Citizens that they were, uh, that I was offered another policy from another company. Um, and because of the way their laws were structured that I would have had to take this other policy. So when I called my agent, she said, no, the rule is if it's more, if the new premium is more than 50% more than what you're paying at Citizens, you can stay at Citizens. Hmm. So the premium would have gone from 2000 to $4,000, which was a 100% increase. Wow. So I didn't have to do that. Um, my mother complains about insurance down there. My siblings complain about insurance down there, that there's no, you know, almost nobody left. Everybody is pulling out of Florida. Um, well, they're the largest insurer now uh-huh. in Florida. Yeah, and it did, I did the, the letter does state that you know they may only pay about seventy percent of the cost of the damage. The uh, well, yeah. they, I mean, and you look at it's not just Florida, but I'm yeah, seeing all other over. areas. Yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm seeing that. You know, areas that used to be prone to tornadoes are less prone to tornadoes, and areas that used to not get tornadoes are getting them on a regular yeah, like basis. North Carolina has been uh, reduced in coverage from some carriers because of some of the hurricanes and things like that. And, of course, the California wildfires over the last couple of years, they had some you know unusual losses. But in addition to that, cars are getting more expensive. You know, Repairs are getting more expensive. Parts have gone up. And so just the simple inflation of just things going up, the insurance companies are paying more to fix a car than they were five or 10 years ago. Um, But they are outpacing inflation. Car insurance rates have increased 19% in the 12 months through last November, which is six times the national inflation rate over that same 12-month period. So there's a a a lot going on. It's a huge issue. Yeah, I I was just looking at that one company in question, and uh, there was something out there on them. It says, you know, the pros and cons, insurers... Uh, insure some homes in private or that uh, private companies won't may offer more affordable rates than private insurers. The cons are limited extra coverage options. So I would think maybe that schedules. Maybe you have like certain. Maybe you have certain collections. Yeah, collectibles. Excuse yeah. me. 
uh, you know, so that you won't maybe get coverage on those types of things. Coverage gaps for higher value homes, surcharges may apply if the company doesn't have enough funds to pay claims. So I always think that there's a hundred pennies in the dollar. And I was wondering what is the drawback right. of something that is a lot cheaper, but yeah. yeah, just be aware that if you're getting hit on this, you're not alone. You're not sitting out there alone. You're the only person getting hit in these types of things. This has been, I've been told that this was going to happen by my yeah. agent for a long time. Yep. He was just watch it, watch for it. There's no place to hide right now. No, there's not. And that's the frustrating thing. So what do you do? Maybe higher deductibles, uh, possibly. Higher deductible. Um, you know, I was talking with Dan the other day about this, actually, and he ended up shifting his primary vehicle to one of the not-as-new cars mm-hmm. in their stable. You know, he's, he's driving the junker to work now instead of the new pickup truck and you, that kind of stuff, you, just so you don't have the mileage, mileage on yeah, that. Yeah, less mileage, and, for sure. Uh, you know, there's just ways to ways to do that yeah for sure hey this is paul winkler hope you enjoyed today's edition of the investor coaching show you want to learn more about what we do go to our website paulwinkler.com you can watch some of the videos there and if you're not already a client you can set up a free initial consultation until next time i'm paul winkler reminding you that i believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors have a great one Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.